Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Have you ever felt that talking with God can often seem like a boxing match with yourself? At the end of it, maybe you feel more beat up than you do blessed about spending time with the God of the universe. Here's what I mean. If I'm going to pray, sometimes I get a little distracted, so I might start off really well. Dear God, thank you for this day. And then this gets me to thinking, oh man, I've got a lot going on today. I've got that appointment and I need to do a load of wash and oh man, I'm supposed to be praying. There comes the first punch. Focus, focus, focus. Oh God, I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to pray. I just want to say how grateful I am for all the blessings that you sent my way yesterday, which gets me to thinking, although I am still pretty ticked that John got that promotion over me, since I'm way more qualified, and everybody knows John takes those two-hour lunches, and ah, I did it again, second punch. Come on, man, get it together. You're talking to God. Okay, okay, I want to pray for my missionary friends in Papua New Guinea. Which, of course, gets me to thinking, oh, man, I could sure use a Papa Murphy's pizza. Or maybe a Carboni's pizza right now. Mmm, pizza. Punch number three. Oh, man, look what time it is, God. Good talk. Good talk. Punch number four. Of course, I didn't spend good quality time with God. And I should have prayed longer. And I should have done it so much better. And I should have spoken so much more eloquently. And don't get me started when it comes to reading my Bible. What did I just read? What did that mean? What did that say? How am I supposed to apply that to my life? And there comes the head slap. Man. So prayer and Bible reading, two of the critical spiritual disciplines for us as Christians, sometimes can seem so difficult to not be distracted, to stay engaged with what you're doing. Can any of you connect at all with that? I know you guys are so much more mature than I am, but maybe some of you, can connect with what I'm saying. And if you can, then today is for you. We are now in week number two of our series on spiritual disciplines. What are they all about? What will they lead to? How will they help me improve my relationship with my Savior? You know, 84% of Americans said last week that they prayed. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, this is obviously extremely relevant for everyone right now. And I call this frustration that I have when I pray and being distracted. Some might call it an illness. I call it spiritual ADD or ADHD if you've got some hyperactivity thrown in the mix. Whatever you can relate to. Spiritual ADD. Obviously, we want to be talking to God. That's not the problem. The problem is how and how to do it without becoming distracted and how to become engaged and how to do it steadfastly and consistently. All of those things. That's why we're in the midst of a series focused on spiritual disciplines because they are critical. Last week we said that we need to first and foremost understand that God is right there with us and God wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. Even more so than we wanna be growing, God wants us to be growing. We say all the time, and it's true, that God loves us just the way we are, but he doesn't necessarily want us to stay right where we are, right? 
It's just like we say about our kids. We love our kids the way they are, but we don't want them to stay this way and we don't want them to stay at our homes forever, right? We want them to grow and mature and learn and find their passion and find their fulfillment, whatever the case may be. We talked a lot about that last week as well. And who are we to God? We are God's children. He loves us. He wants more for us. God wants us to grow. And as we look through our Bible at the lives of some really godly people, by far the most used spiritual disciplines we find are prayer and reading your scripture. And today you and I are going to get really practical on how to overcome what I'm calling spiritual ADD by letting God speak to you through his word and then also responding in kind in prayer by speaking to him. And so our first stop always on the path to spiritual maturity is starting with God's word. I'm going to go through just one verse today, one just small verse and look at the distractions that can come out of that, just one verse. And here it is, Joshua 1.8. says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. And when he says book of the law, that's what they have, their Old Testament scriptures. The book of the law always on your lips. And God's telling Joshua, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Hey, I like the sounds of that. We're promised that if we really meditate on God's will for our lives by looking at scripture and seeing what he has to tell us, that if we read and then interpret and then do what he wants, then we're gonna be prosperous and successful. That's great news. But now wait a minute, Pastor Dan. This sounds suspiciously about what I know is called the prosperity gospel. It says that every worldly thing that we can imagine and want for ourselves, well, God is willing to give us everything that we want. If we just ignore what certain parts of the Bible really say about what God wants for our lives. And here, friends, this is why any chance that we have in growing in our faith and understanding of God, it has to start with proper reading and interpretation of God's book about himself to us. And that is the Bible. You see, we can't be distracted by flashy preaching and so-called truths that appeal to current culture, but absolutely do not represent God's will for us. There is so much of that garbage out there on the internet, on YouTube, wherever you go. Things that sound like they're true coming out of scripture, but are absolutely not true for us today in current culture. This is where we need to begin our study on how to overcome spiritual ADD. And there are two important pieces just in this one verse from Joshua. The first may be fairly obvious. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything written in it. This obvious connection between being in God's word and understanding what he has in store for us. The second point maybe isn't so obvious. When it says, then you will be prosperous and successful. This second point is the blessings that come from rightly hearing and then doing what God has written. But they are very specific in the context of Joshua. They do not say that in everything that you want from your worldly possessions, that you're going to be prosperous and successful and you're going to have all the friends and all the money and all the materials that you want. It is not telling us that. 
If you recall, the primary blessings under the old covenants that were made with Abraham and Moses was a promise that God was going to set aside these Israelites as his special people. And he was going to set aside a special area called Canaan at the time to be the place that they would live. And it would be a place flowing with milk and honey, a place of abundance and assurance, things good and satisfying. And a final result of God's covenant with his people, if everything went well and according to plan, and of course we know it didn't, right? Because of the cycle of truth and then falling away and then finding truth out again and coming back to God and then falling away. We know that it didn't come to pass, but the final result of this covenant was supposed to be a time and place of prosperity and success for all time. Now, that's the old covenant, and that's what Joshua is specifically talking about. Under the new covenant, the covenant in which you and I live today through Jesus and faith in what he did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago, what he opened for us is so much bigger and so much better than an earthly territory set aside for us. Because what Jesus has set aside for us now is a heavenly territory. And not just a land flowing with milk and honey, but the superabundance of heaven. Everything we will want. Everything we will need. Again, both. In heaven, we are going to want and need, yes, but we are going to have everything on both sides of the equation in heaven. So we need to ask ourselves, as we study our Bibles today, are we currently living under the old covenant or the new covenant? And if you've been listening at all, the answer will be obvious. We are, of course, living under the new covenant. And it is through faith in Jesus that we are no longer stuck in the limited covenantal promise of a land of milk and honey here on the earth and earthly prosperity. We can go to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 and it spells it out for us. The author says that is why he, Christ, is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the internal inheritance God has promised them. And the punchline? Next slide. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Again, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. We live under the new covenant today. That first covenant could not be kept perfectly. A covenant between perfect God and sinful man, it's only ever going to be a temporary and earthly agreement. But Jesus, on the other hand, he was God's final and perfect and forever solution. The only perfect solution to God's promises going all the way back to Adam and Eve. So just in this one simple verse from the book of Joshua, we can find out how easy it can be to be distracted, misled even, by folks who aren't careful to study, preach, and teach God's truth in its fullness. And that's why a must-have in your arsenal against spiritual ADD is Bible study, devotions, doing what you're doing now, whether it be in person, whether it be watching online, hearing what God actually has to say and understanding it for yourself. That's a critical piece. It's not for Pastor Dan to tell you this is the truth. It's for you to be able to see the truth for yourself. So be engaged and involved in all those things. Let's move on today to our second stop. I said two spiritual disciplines we were going to talk about today. And of course, the second one is prayer. 
In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, which is actually seen in our second window over here on the right-hand side as you sit, it's the story that Jesus told about prayer and wrong prayer versus right prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, he starts out by saying, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And then he goes on to say what improper prayer looks and sounds like. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, probably some pretty familiar words to most of us, and actually what the Confirmation Kids and I are going to talk about in a little bit. So it's awesome that you guys are here and being able to get it, well, twice, basically. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And then he goes on to what we call the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. We need to understand that Jesus' words to his followers, that's his followers then and his followers now, is that these words should be not only a specific prayer that you should pray, but it also should be a model for how you pray. Whenever you pray yourself, together as a family, together with your wife or kids or whatever the case may be, it's not only a specific prayer, but it's a model. And we're gonna talk about the model and what it might mean for your lives in daily prayer. So we'll start first with the first two petitions. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's always important to start off with praise. Because there are two ways that we can praise God. The first thing we can do is we can adore him for God being who he is. And then we can be thankful to the things that he's given us. So adoration, praise is two different things. Right? God, you are wonderful just for being who you are, for creating everything, for putting everything in motion, for having that special relationship that I have with you. And then thanksgiving for the things specifically that you are doing in my life and the lives of those that I love. Because if God is really the one on the throne and it's not me, then your conversation with him should start out about him, right? And not about me. So one way you can do this as a model prayer in your daily prayer time is to think over the past 24 hours and thank him specifically for each blessing that he sent your way. Maybe you've read some scripture. Maybe you had a conversation with a friend that's in need of some, some health and strength and all of those things. And maybe you want to thank God for bringing those things to your attention. Start by raising God up and thanking him for what he's giving you. Move on to the second two petitions. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next, after praising God, you got to get yourself in the midst of God's will is important for my life. And I want to be focused on your purposes, Lord. So that's our second point. God's purposes, not my own purposes. This is a great time to pray that God's will be done in your family, in your church, at work, in your community, in your nation, and in the world. Although we don't say it out loud this way, unless we're joking, it's often easy to live our lives as if it's my will be done instead of thy will be done. We always have to be focused on God's will. Next petition, give us today our daily bread. This next part of our prayer time is to ask God for provision. And it's a good thing. God wants to hear from us. What do you need? What do you want? Sure. But absolutely, what do you need? So we pray for God's provision. Sometimes I think about this when I go through my calendar and I think about the different things that are coming up through the day. Many of you might do the same thing as you're going through your daily walk with God. 
But here is something new that I learned while studying for this series. And that is there's a difference between thinking through my day and praying, well, God bless my events on the calendar. God bless my staff meeting and bless my meeting with Tony later today and bless my sermon preparation. Because I do believe he will, but I'm not sure that I'll recognize it when he does. On the other hand, if I were to really ask the question, what do I think God wants to accomplish through each of these activities and events throughout my day, then that really changes things. It changes our outlook on things. Let's say I'm meeting with Tony for the first time and I'm unsure if he has a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm going to specifically ask God to help me share Jesus with Tony and hopefully that Tony will be responsive. Then when God answers that prayer, it's clear he was answering my specific prayer and he is the one that deserves full credit for it. If I'm going to be working on my weekend message, maybe I'll pray for a moment. God, open my eyes to see something I've never seen before, something that will be real and relevant for the people that I'm going to preach it to. And then when my eyes are opened, I can take a moment to praise God for really answering that prayer. So pray specifically and then thank God specifically. The next petition, forgive us our debts. And all oh, this is an important one. We come before God every service that we have here, every time we get together to worship, and we ask God to forgive us our sins. Not only the sins that we know about, the sins that we know we struggle with and have been doing, but also, God, open my eyes to see the sins that I'm not aware of, the things that I'm doing that I'm just, I have no idea. One great verse to pray is Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So not only is this helpful for me to come before God in confession and know that my sins are forgiven when I come to him as a penitent sinner, but it also has done something else in my life that I wasn't expecting. And that was now I am more patient with others. Because I realize how God has been so patient with me. Because there's so many things I still struggle with and I still on a daily basis go through. But now I can be more patient with others when they have those same issues and same concerns. Because if God can have patience with me, I can certainly have a little patience with someone else who continues in a cycle of sin and needs my compassion. The next petition is we have also forgiven our debtors. Next, I need to remember to pray about the people out there. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but how many of you have said you would pray for someone and then promptly forgot to pray for someone? I know I've made that mistake a few times. I'm guilty of that. That's why it's so important to make a list when you're out and about and almost everyone has a phone with them. Open up a new document, put a name on a list. That way you can check it later and say, yes, I did pray. I said I was going to, and now I have done it. Not that it's a checklist, but if you say that you're going to pray for someone, try to do it. That's where we need to pray for our family members who are going through a rough patch. Christian friends, your leaders at church, we need a lot of prayer. Anyone that needs to have their heart open to an idea of a relationship with Jesus, anyone in your lives that you know of that is not connected with Jesus, be praying for them specifically. And again, be specific in how you want God interacting in the lives of those around you. 
And finally, the final petition, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Finally, I always have to remember that the devil and his minions are out there, and they're trying to get me. And as you learn spiritual disciplines and grow in spiritual maturity over the next weeks, months, days, whatever the case may be, you're going to have a bigger target on your back too. Sorry, that's just the way of it. Because the more spiritually mature you get, the harder the devil is going to work on you so that you can't infect or interact with other folks out there bringing the news of Jesus to them as well. Because when God wants to build, Satan wants to tear it down. He's going to be working on you, trying to distract you each and every day. He's going to try to discourage you. And if he can't tempt you with bad things, he's going to trick you with your busyness. Make you focus on your inadequacies. Going to bring stress to your relationships. That's why I need to pray each and every day for spiritual protection on your life and those lives around you. So now we're going to get ultra practical here. We learned about the two things that are absolutely critical for us to be able to be in God's word so that we can hear from him and to be in prayer so that we can share with God what our wants, needs, and things like that are. Now, if we're going to do those things properly, there's two things that we have to do in our life. And the first thing that we have to do, especially with daily prayer and daily devotion, is select a time. And don't give God your leftover time, either too early in the morning when you haven't had your cup of coffee yet, or late at night when you're so tired from the day that some days you don't remember to do it at all. Give God your best time. For example, during this school year, I'm up by 6 a.m. and Kinlan is up even earlier. And then we're going, going, going for the next several hours. So I'm not going to choose I'm going to intentionally stay away from morning time to be my time and focus with Jesus. Then the second thing you need to do after you've selected a time that works with you is select a place. Find a quiet place, a place without distractions that you can spend time with God. In my little St. Louis Park home, that's kind of hard to do, especially with kids in the house, especially with boys in the house. As you might know and be aware, St. Louis Park homes have thin walls. So maybe you'll need to do what I've done. Get yourself some noise-canceling headphones. Or maybe find a time after the kids have gone to bed. That's not going to happen. Just to make sure we're on the same page here when we're talking about overcoming spiritual distractions, ADD. Having Sports Center on in the background or having HGTV on in the background, that's not going to do it. Find a place and a time to focus on God. Now, as I wrap up here today, and we can look forward to the next two sessions, more of this, but even better. As we wrap this time up, I can understand that all of us are coming from different places in our spiritual journey. For some, this might be brand new to you. Maybe you have never thought about spending daily intentional time with God. What do you mean? Being here at church and praying during service isn't enough? Well, no, it's not enough. There needs to be more. It needs to be a daily encouragement and interaction with God, for God, and to God. Now, for others of you, on the other end of the spectrum, you're already doing this. And I've been preaching to the choir or to the bells or anyone else that's up there. Yeah, Carol, you raise your hand. I know you are. But Heavenly Father, is he is so important to each and every one of us no matter where you are on this continuum of new immature christian or faithful christian uh, all the way you've done everything and heard everything but i bet there's somewhere in the middle 
And some of you might struggle in the same way that I did at the very beginning, where you get so distracted or you get so caught up in your busyness that you either don't make time or when you do make time, it's not quality time with God. So we're going to end today with a challenge. And my challenge specifically is for the next two months to try this out. Look at this verse, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just see. If you do those two things, you pick a time and a place, you give him 10 minutes, 15 minutes, even five minutes if you really are under pressure for time. Give him that time and see if something doesn't take shape in your life that wasn't there before. Take home a weekly newsletter insert, or you can find it online after the services today. It's going to be available there, and it's going to go through some of the things we talked about, how to overcome spiritual ADD. It's going to have links to some uh, Bible reading plans and some devotions online and other resources like that. So please, if there is one thing as your pastor that I can do to change your life in one way, I would do this one habit finding a time and a place each and every day, even on Sundays, even on Saturdays, every day of the week to spend time with God. And I know that it will change your lives. I can't wait to what I have to learn next week and the week after in this series. It's been so engaging and so encouraging for me. I pray that it is for you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.